This is Chad Brashears, and you're listening to Never In My Wildest Dream podcast. This podcast is about creating a behind-the-scenes look with coaches, fans, and reporters from our point of view, sharing cool stories as only we've lived them. The goal is for you to learn something new to help your life and allow yourself to take a break from everyday chaos and let us give you a behind-the-scenes look into our world. Never In My Wildest Dreams podcast begins in... Welcome back to Never In My Wildest Dreams podcast. I have a really good friend of mine, Coach Adam Walsh, the head coach at Shenandoah University with me today. And, you know, Adam is a, uh, he's a grinder in the business. He's kind of been all over the place, which I think is pretty awesome. And we'll be able to talk about that here uh, during the show. But he spent uh, one year as a head Division I basketball coach, nine years a head coach at the D3 level. He was down at Centenary College. He also was an assistant for, what, four years down there, Coach? Is that correct? Three at Centenary. Three years. And then uh, he's now been at Shenandoah entering year four. He's a native of Winchester. He was able to kind of come back to his old stomping grounds and be a head coach in the town that he grew up in, which I think is pretty cool. He also attended High Point University and did a GA spot down at a Campbell, Campbell University where he is a camel. I'll pick one you about that. I was able to coach against those guys a little bit when I was at Shenandoah. So, um, Coach, thanks for coming on the show. I really appreciate having you. Oh, thanks for having me, Chad. This is fun. It, it is a lot of fun. Um, I'll, I'll touch on Centenary real quick. I know Robert Parrish is a graduate of Centenary. Um, how was that? Did you guys have any other uh, pros or anything else that's kind of come out of the college down there for you guys? Yeah, uh, one of one of the Chiefs' cousins, Larry Robinson, was an NBA champion with the Houston Rockets. Um, nine-year guy in the, in the in the NBA. Excuse me. We had Herb Flight Time Lang with the Globetrotters. I, I think he had, still has the record for the longest-running Globetrotter. Oh wow! Um, you know, cool, really cool stuff there. And then my assistant coach now at Shenandoah. Uh, was a 1900 point scorer there at, at Centenary, Travion Kirkendall, and he's he's played a little bit overseas, and I expect him to keep playing here as as the COVID deal passes and <laughs> basketball kind of gets back to a little bit of normalcy. <laughs> how green was his light? 1900 points. How green was that light? Yeah, it was pretty green. <laughs> I mean, his his best one, he had a 31 point half, and wow. Uh, it was it was unreal, you know. It was it was pretty cool to watch. I, I coached a couple guys at Centenary that had a couple fifty point games, but thirty one and a half was was pretty cool to be a part of. Yeah, that's re- that's really putting the ball in the basket. I mean, most guys, my career high is not thirty one for forty minutes, so I can't imagine doing that in twenty. <laughs> um, you know, you, you and I got to meet each other. I want to say. And if I'm wrong, tell me on this. We met at Air in Arizona at the Final Four. Yep. We had lunch together, and uh, you were um, interviewing for the Shenandoah job. And ironically, at that time, the South job hadn't even posted. And then, uh, you know, it just kind of seemed like an opportunity to come back home and run my own program. But uh, you, we, you and I were able to connect there, became really good friends. Obviously, you got hired at my alma mater, uh, which I was thrilled about. I think you're doing a great job in getting the program back in the right direction. And... Um, and then obviously I was able to come to South, which you've been really supportive of me. You and I touch base on a regular basis, try to talk as much as we possibly can. I know that season gets busy during that time, but then this past off season kind of got goofy with COVID and then the whole different situation that was kind of spun around the world with different, um, you know, social uh, matters and that type of thing. 
How has the team at Shenandoah kind of handled that? How how have you been able to work with those guys on that? And, um, you know, where do you guys sit now? You want to share some of that information with me? Yeah, uh, thanks for asking. I, I think our guys, you know, kind of starting back in the spring, our guys did a phenomenal job academically, had our highest team GPA in program history for the spring semester. Um, guys rocked it out in the classroom, and, you know, that was different coming out, you know, the, the first time dealing with all that online stuff and not being on campus. And, you know, it was a big change. I was proud of our guys handling that and, and jumping into the summer. Obviously, a lot of social issues this summer. Um, we really, you know, it was heavy. I think everybody's teams, you know, for, for basketball, um, I, I would just, in my career, so I've been in college basketball since 1997. In my career in basketball, I think probably 92 to 93% of the guys that I've been a part of on, on college rosters have been black. Mm-hmm. Likewise. And, you know, my career is indebted to black young men, you know, that have grown up and are great contributors to their communities and involved in, in all types of things. And I think that as a sport, we owe it to our sport, to our sports culture, to our community to not let this conversation stop, man. I mean, it's, it's, there's a, there's so much going on and we had really good conversations amongst our team, uh, team talks, which led to one-on-one talks. I didn't even know we're happening. You know, I, I had guys hit me up like, Hey man, I had a really good talk with so-and-so and you know, we, we, we talked about some stuff that came up on that team call. And, you know, we were able to like hear each other and, and, and talk about differences and, I think every kid reacted differently. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody's personal experiences matter um, and, and, and make you react a little bit different to, to when things play out. But the whole world saw George Floyd get murdered and you couldn't ignore it. I couldn't ignore it. No, nobody can ignore that. And I, I think the, the audacity of that singular situation while everybody was for the most part stuck at home with COVID there wasn't anything else to see or talk about and I think that's part of why this summer why it went so big and and the social just the whole social piece just blew up this summer was because in the middle of a pandemic there, you know the, there wasn't Kobe wasn't scoring 60 in his final game the same night as Dallas police were getting gunned down. Correct. You know, like there wasn't something else to go, Oh, I'll just change the channel. Yeah. I mean, it kind of magnified itself. Right. And, and look, I'm a whitehead coach in college basketball. It's my responsibility to be better. Like with privilege comes responsibility. And I know I'm privileged. I'm, I'm white. I, I get it. And there's a lot of people that don't want to hear that still, man. And, and I think it's a white problem. Like we, we have to be able to call it out amongst ourselves and be able to call out racism. And, you know, it's, I, I, we, we had really good conversations internally, but I think like the best thing I can do as a white college head coach is 
take every opportunity to make sure that the conversation doesn't go away. Right. Have you now now speaking on that, have you guys been able to have different conversations? I know COVID has thrown some wrenches and you and I talked on the phone before we got on the show here that um you know, testing and non-testing and goofiness on campus today with you guys and, uh, you know, that type of stuff. But have you been able to kind of communicate with the guys since school has started back up that has kept the conversations going as well as maybe blossomed into even better conversations and better locker room because of that? Yeah, I think I think last summer, Chad, it did so much for us, and I assume there's a lot of college teams and a lot of basketball teams across the country that are saying the same thing. Good. I This is the closest team that I've had since we took over here. And I, I think the amount of communication that we had starting because of COVID, really continuing because of the social unrest of the summer, the racial inequalities that, that got exemplified got magnified this summer like we had to have conversations right and those conversations were so hard that our guys got closer and and i think it's carried over to now that just the day-to-day we continue to try to find ways to not let the conversation stop we continue to find ways to talk politics to talk election you know the election was a big deal yep you know we we had a lot of conversation around that around the right to vote um we had one guy that couldn't get registered just id military family kind of moving parts of where he lived right vice versa everybody else on our team voted got registered to vote and voted you know so we did about everything we could do, I felt like, for the election. I think it just, there's been so much, and, and I'll say this, I, I, there is so much division in our country for various reasons, but so much of it is starts racially and socially. Yeah. And, and politics play a part of that, too. But you get to a locker room, man, and you got one goal, and you got to get in here and you got to get it done together. And a locker room has got to be a place where we, we need to be an example to our campus, to our community, to to everybody that sees us, that we put differences aside. We don't look the same. We don't, you know, we're not from the same places. And and that's the beauty of sports, right? Mm-hmm. You know, being able to come together and, and, and do something like this, you know, competing for one cause and and for each other. Yeah, I mean, I know, like, obviously, I, I played at Shenandoah, I coached at Shenandoah, so, and, and you know, with you with you down there, you're going to understand when I say this, the goal is to be red, white, and blue when we come out of the locker room. And, uh, right. And, you know, and for, at South High, the, the goal is to be green and white when we come out of the locker room. That's the only colors that, that people see. That's the only colors that we see. We're all one. But, you know, I'm fortunate, too. Um, I, I was able to come from a background in a house that, that was privileged and, uh through recruiting and through uh, coaching, I've been able to impact a lot of young men who have not had the same privilege that I have and try to better their lives. I know you're doing the exact same thing. Um, sometimes we get, we do lose sight of how lucky we actually were when we were, gr- when we grind for those guys. And, um, you know, I, I think it's awesome what you're doing with a, having the conversation, B getting the guys across the stage, getting the GPAs up. I mean, 
you know, that, that was always my ultimate goal was, you know, I, I, when I was a college coach, I I really didn't look at the wins and losses. And I know that's obviously why I got back to the high school level. Um, but it's the amount of kids you get across the stage that have better their lives. that now have an opportunity to do something that maybe other family members have not had the opportunity to do as well as put themselves in a position that they can achieve certain jobs and certain levels and employment that, maybe they would not be able to achieve without that diploma. Right. Yeah, college, man. College is about so much more than just the wins and losses. I think, you know, I I hope that more coaches were able to take that in the summer um, and and comprehend that. And, you know, it's a little bit Nick Saban of, like, the process, right? And But it's also we're coaching – we're coaching humans mm-hmm. and th- this is a people business. This is not a, this is not a sport business. And, you know, we got to be about our people and I, we can always be better as coaches with how we help the young men that we coach, the young men and young women that we coach in athletics. But, you know, it's, it's also about how we treat everybody around us and, and the example that we set for our kids. But, understanding that better people make better athletes mm-hmm. is, is such a big deal mm-hmm. um you know with with how we do our jobs oh a hundred percent you know i um you you worked with you work with them now and and i worked with them when i was down there but coach anderson my brother even played for him you know coach anderson talks a lot about that you know we're we're people and uh you know, you can be one of three things. You can be social, you can be academic, or you can be athletic. And only two out of the three are going to make you really successful. And, you know, and we lose sight of that sometimes. It's the person. I mean, I was a very young assistant coach, and you and I can both joke. We were JUCO guys. I didn't even get into your JUCO list of, you know, different coaching spots that we we could talk about JUCO ball, too, on a whole nother episode and just talk straight <laughs> JUCO and share Juke stories. And you, you, you laugh because... Juke stories are the the most crazy stories that anybody can come up with, and and when people say that doesn't really happen, you kind of can laugh and say, "Hey, trust me, I, I lived through this. <laughs> I lived through it. I know it happened." <laughs> <laughs> um, but I was I was actually down at a recruiting um, location, and I uh, ended up running to Shaka Smart, and I you know it's kind of one of those all stuck moments as a younger guy. I was like, "Oh man, that's Shaka right. Smart." So I started talking to Shaka a little bit. We at uh, Hagerstown Community College were fortunate enough we were able to put some serious guys through VCU that um, that played there, went on professionally and played. So I was able to kind of share that story with him a little bit. And he was very good about everything. I made the comment to him, and this is kind of where I learned what you just said, and it stemmed my thought on this about people business. I'm standing in the Seagull Center talking to Shaka Smart, and I said, man, this place is unbelievable. You're probably able to recruit so many people here and get so many recruits to say they want to come play for you in this building. He looked at me with a straight face and said, go over to that brick on the wall and ask them for help on your science test that you have coming up on Thursday at 3 o'clock. And I was like, oh. He goes... I can have the best facilities in the world, which he now does at Texas. And yep. but it's all about, you know, having the right staff, having the right support systems, having the right kids in the locker room, the right people in your front office or at, you know, the administrative offices there at schools 
that's what makes it successful. That's what puts you on a level to make runs at different tournaments and do stuff that like that. So I, I always go back to that story. It kind of caught me off guard as a young assistant coach. I was like, man, I'm going to steal this and use it for a while. And for the last uh, about 11 years now, I've used that story at different times. So That's a good one. <laughs> go ask that brick how to study for a science test or how to pass a science test. I'll never forget that. So right. speaking of, you know, people business. Um Obviously, I, I follow everything that you, you guys are doing. Um, touch on your community service. If I'm not mistaken, you guys were the number one community service team in the country. Did, am I getting that right? You, you are. We were did a phenomenal job last year buying in, you know, pre-COVID. So our last community service function was, I think, late January. In okay. the middle of the season, maybe we had one thing in February, if I remember right. Um, we had over 340 hours of community service, and that put us at number one in Division Three men's basketball last that's, year. That's awesome. Um, super pumped. You know, it's, it's it's crazy. Our women's team was also number one in the country. And so, you know, the, the back and forth and the, you know, kind of holding each other accountable there is, is awesome. You yeah. know, we got – the women's program doing so much men's men's baseball here baseball does so much here at Shenandoah in the community it's been one of my goals my three personal goals 3.0 GPA 300 hours of community service and win the league those are my three goals every year as a head coach as far as team basketball you know obviously I have lots of other ones that kind of come into play year to year and they're a little bit different but those are my three kind of overarching goals as a head coach and just just to be able to look and quantify right yep um so we've knocked out two of those you know and and, and I know you were here and, and and you know how tough it's been the stretches here in Shenandoah and so academically our guys have done a phenomenal job we just got another 3.0 GPA so we got five out of seven semesters we've had a 3.0 GPA since 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 we got here and it's a credit to our guys and and you know recruiting and a little bit of you know just changing the focus of wanting guys that want to be here academically and find the right fit you know at division three I think it's it's such a unique level where there's so much more than an athlete. Oh my and goodness, yeah. They have to want to be here, right? Like they got, they gotta love campus. The and, sorry, the, the I was the, the community service piece is just a part of that, right? Absolutely. I was just gonna say, you know, it's funny you touched on the campus part because I um. Yeah, you know how it is. We live on the road, right? Like, well, yep. pr prior to COVID, we lived on the road. I mean, I remember rolling out of my house July 1 and, you know, rolling into my, usually I was, I just meet up with the family at the beach in the, in the Outer Banks the last week of July. And basically I was gone the entire month traveling different states, different spots, watching basketball for 12 hours a day. But the one thing that I listen to a lot of coaches talk, and I kind of never have had the chance to get back to the college level to use this yet, but I find it interesting. If your knee blows out, would you be comfortable walking around this campus was a question I heard asked one time. If you get injured right. and can't ever play again, do you see yourself comfortable on our campus long enough to get your degree? And yep. I think that's a really freaking cool question because I've never thought of it that way. 
But, yeah. you know, we talk about the air going out of the ball. What are you going to do when the air goes out of the ball? What's your career? Everybody, I want to play pro ball. Okay, that's that's great. You know, it's so hard to get to the level to play professional <laughs> basketball. It's it's Im- sure. <laughs> it, it, it's impossible. I mean, I was fortunate enough at Shenandoah. I coached two kids that I think scored both scored over 1,300 points, and they never got a sniff. And both yeah. of them scored 1,300 points in three years. I mean, yeah. that's putting the yeah. – to, to, to talk about your, your assistant coach now who put 1,900 up, I mean, yeah. you're in the same category if you get four solid. Oh, yeah. Right? So if you, and you're talking about almost 2,000 points in college and you don't get a – possibly 2,000 points and you don't get a sniff, not everybody's going to get a shot. So what are no. we going to do when the air stops? And I really liked when that question was posed to that young man at Hoop Group because I was like, oh, that's a good one. I'm walking by and just kind of – it hit my ear as I was walking. I was like, that's a really good question because – you do find out how much you love the institution more than loving yeah. the game and the team and all that fun stuff. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, the community service part's awesome for me. I know we did some, some community service projects we were down there. We didn't, definitely did not do 300 hours. I know that. But um, the one <laughs> and it, thing. And it helps that I'm from here, right? I mean, it's like. It, it I, does, yeah. I, I just want to. I, I want to make sure that we're giving back to the community. I mean, that was, that was part of us coming home. Yep. You know, def- definitely have a heart for for Winchester, a heart for basketball in the community, and and trying to do everything we can to help the local, you know, the local youth, local, you know, less fortunate overall here in Winchester, and just you know, just try to be a light. But it, it's funny you say that because you actually like kind of keyed me into what I was going to actually ask you next, and and I think I know the answer, but I wanted to get your side of it. Living in Winchester as a student, and then obviously for four years when I went back as an assistant coach, in the summer, the town feels totally different than it does come August the 21st when those kids move back. <laughs> and we'll just yeah. we'll use September 1st or Labor Day weekend as the example. When those kids are back in that city, the city rocks. And the city kind of like gets rejuvenated. So to me, Shenandoah University really helps the city of Winchester in a lot of facets, but it also gives the youth their hope, as you just said, and people that maybe are down in their luck a little bit of hope when they get to see student athletes or just students of Shenandoah come out and say, hey, you know, things will be all right. Let's get, let's get, let's help you guys. Um, Do you see it that way too? That's how I always viewed it. I do. And I think, you know, from the various types of community service, uh, we, we put our guys in front of young kids. We, we did some work with the homeless. That's awesome. You know, I, I think a part of that is trying to put your team into life experiences so that they know, hey, I can do this, you know, and, and, and hopefully they continue to do it the rest of their life um, to find ways to serve their community, volunteering. Um I, I'm fortunate enough right now, Shenandoah has a partnership with the hospital. We're, we're as faculty and staff, we have the option to, to volunteer to work the, the COVID vaccination clinic at the hospital. And it's, okay. I, I've been able to do that some personally, and it's, it's been really cool to serve our medical community. And they're struggling, man. It's, it's a heavy burden on the medical, medical community right now. And just, just to be able to, 
give a give a smile through the mask and a, and a bright word and try to get somebody to to lighten up a little bit you know it's it's been fun to be a part of that and it, it's been good to see those people have a little bit of a you, you can see it in their eyes the hope of the light at the end of the tunnel kind of scenario of of the pandemic and um it's the same thing you get to spend time with kids man like kids look up to almost anybody if you're regular mm-hmm. if you show up over and over and and they know you're going to be there like our guys have such an impact on young kids um when when they when they're able to obviously be in person a lot more than than we are right now but mm-hmm. yeah it's part of us coming home you know i grew up here the the gym at Shenandoah was packed the community loved it i grew up in the heyday of the of the mid 90s and watching these guys come in here and score 90 points a game but you know, they also had a good reputation in the community. Coach Dutton did a lot for the community. Yep. And I, I think that was part of me, you know, definitely coming back to Winchester and having that vision, too, of us kind of re-energizing the community in that way and trying to get out and be involved as much as we can. No, I, I think I think it's awesome. Um, you kind of touched on COVID a little bit with the, uh, the medical people. I know Shenandoah is testing. Um, yeah. I, I don't know if you're if you're able to go into much sharing on. If you can't, I completely understand. But how are you guys testing? What type of testing are you guys doing, and how effective do you think it has been for you guys so far as a team? But then let's talk a little bit about how it's been effective for the athletic department. Yeah, I, credit to our president and our administration, man. We've been doing a great job with with COVID this whole time. I mean, last summer we added. I, I'll probably be, I'll probably underestimate, but we were close to adding like 350 new dorm rooms last summer. Oh, wow. um, so we did a lot of private housing for the fall and, and into the spring semester at, at no additional cost this year because of COVID. So a lot of, a lot of kids that normally doubled up were able to have single rooms this year and keep some space. So it, it started there. We started testing immediately in the fall when students came back to campus very quickly we were able to flip and we started doing the saliva testing on campus okay um and we're doing all internal saliva testing now um for basketball for us to play we have to be at three times a week that's that's the ncaa kind of overarching um thought process and so we have zero issues with that because of because of the capabilities on our campus we have a pharmacy school um you know, that's, it's a huge blessing. I mean, even talking further down the line when the vaccination continues to roll out, we have deep freezers on campus. I mean, that's, that's part of, part of who we are as a university with the medical side of campus. It's going to be a blessing to, to be able to serve the community again as a campus there mm-hmm. just to help out in the vaccine, in the vaccine process, because we have the deep freezers, but campus has been phenomenal with it um we're we're very proactive obviously as a coach you know sometimes that gives you a little bit of headache just because we are super vigilant and we've had to contact trace and make sure guys are good um really to protect the whole team right but i mean ultimately that's why we're doing it i mean we're we're here for the kids and so we got to try to keep them as safe as possible and you know, we got we expected to have some issues coming back, and and I I'm sure we will. 
Um, I, I'm sure every college basketball team will have issues through this season. I mean, how many shutdowns have we seen just in Division One? And a lot, and they got endless checkbooks. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, we we know it's going to happen. I, I told our team last night to help these teams going to have a chance to win a conference title, and you know, if we're able to compete, you know, I, I like our chances personally here. Uh, of Shenandoah being ready to compete when we when we get to January 23rd. Mm-hmm. Um, we can bubble up a little bit on campus. We're not starting school until February 1st. Okay. So we don't, you know, we're just going to have athletes here for this month, and, and I think that's a big blessing. It's a, I mean, that's a huge blessing. I mean, I, you know, I kind of uh, I laugh a little bit, and it's not a good laugh, but, you know, here Cleveland Browns, not to switch topics or sports, but the <laughs> Cleveland Browns, make the playoffs for the first time in 18 years, and the head coach cannot even coach because of COVID in the playoff game. It's the first playoff game in a long time. I mean, you know, you know I, I'm 38 years old, so that that's a long time ago. 18 years is a long time ago. I was actually still putting Shenandoah gear on at that point. And, uh, and you know, that just to look at that and think, man, this guy's not even going to coach. I bet you the people in Vegas are going nuts right now trying to fix that line as fast as humanly possible. Um, speaking of, do you guys, okay, so we've been told that if we ever have a chance to play this year, we're going to have to play in masks. What are you, are you guys wearing, obviously wearing masks to coach? Are the players practicing a mask, wearing masks around campus? What What are you guys doing right now with that? So once we get to games, the guys won't have to wear them on the court. I think okay. just to be safe, we, we've got to be a little bit cautious as we reintegrate. So, you know, we are putting masks on here for the first little while. Our guys wore masks on the court in the fall. Uh-huh. Uh, just who it was what it was, and, and guys got adjusted to it, you know, there's a lot of science out there and, and a lot of different thought processes. And it, it, it's kind of one of those, like, do we want to play or not? You know, we get, we just got to do what we got to do to play and, and we got to try to keep our guys as safe as possible. And so without a ton of money, you know, masks are, are right now the, the one of the best ways that you can help with this virus. And, you know, we just gotta, we gotta do the right things. You know, we're coaching the mask for sure. Mm-hmm. Once we're in games, if you're on the court, you don't have to have a mask on. When you're on the sideline, you'll have to put a mask on. Okay. Um, treat it the same way in practice. Once we go without masks, when we go live, if you're on the sidelines, you need to have it on. When we're in team meetings, all that, all that stuff. Um, any, anything outside of live, our, our guys will be in masks. Did you? Um, I got two things on this. First thing I'll hit with you is. You're probably the sharpest dressed coach in the ODAC. Like, I'm just going to put that out there. You, you dress up really well on the sidelines. What's the gear going to be like this year on the sideline? Are you going more like Maui Invitational, or are you going to try to, like, still be sharp and, and almost wear, like, the neck, the neck piece as an ascot as the scarf, just kind of pull it up over your face as a mask? Right? I've thought about that a little bit. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. I, I, I worry a little bit about professionalism yep i I got this this is one of those coaching stories from way back when right when when you're just getting started in the business my first year as a college assistant i'm i walk into a gym to go recruiting and i'm my 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 sneakers are the the laces aren't tied so my laces are loose i think i was wearing some air maxes 
I got I got some baggy shorts on and, and my shirt's untucked and I walk into the gym and, and this this old head coach, really, really close um friend of my head coach of coaches that I was under, kinda of got to know around Campbell's program and head coach looks over at me and just and just cusses me out and like, you wanna be a player or you wanna be a coach? <laughs> and, I, and look, I, I, you know, you can take that a lot of ways, and and, and you can think about it way too deep sometimes. But he was just his point was, are are you going to be a professional or are you not? Like, yep. are you are you going to separate yourself as a as a coach, or are you still trying to be eighteen? Yep. And I I listened, and you know, I think. I think as a as a business, you know, our community, our our not community, but our entire culture overall has gotten more casual. Yes. And are we okay with that? I, I I don't know. I mean, I don't. I mean, is it good that we're casual? Sure, it's comfortable. But there there's a time and a place for us to like look like we have a job that is. And we take it serious. Can right. I do my job in a polo? Absolutely. I mean, will we wear polos? I, I don't know. I mean, we, we probably will a little bit. Right. I, I think that's M- Melissa and I, Melissa, our women's and coach, we've had that conversation multiple times because I would argue that Melissa's probably one of the best dress coaches on the women's side in our league. And, and she, she had to feel that question from the, from the whole league the other day when, when they had their call of, you know, what are they going to do on the men's side? We haven't talked about it. I know that's what's happened at a lot of levels. Mm-hmm. Um, conferences have made, have made decisions and, and they've decided to do something together. And, and I'm all for that. I just, I, I, I worry a little bit, you know, when I go recruiting and I go into somebody's home, what do I, you know, do I want to wear sweats or do I want to wear khakis and a dress shirt? You know, I mean, it just, it, it kind of, <clears throat> I, I don't want that to ever be, you know, mistaken for one way or the other, right? Like guys walk into the gym in the middle of summer and they're in flip flops and, and practice shorts. You know, I feel some sort of way when I see those guys. Oh, I, I did too. What are you doing here? Like, uh, did, did you sleep at all last night? Did you, I mean, like, what, what are you, <laughs> where are you right now? Yeah, they, they just left the Wawa and ready. Right. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I, I appreciate you saying that. I just, I, I think it's, I've prided myself on that for a while, just, you know, being the best dressed that I could be. And, and that started back, that started actually all the way back in high school for me and our, our, our coaching staff here. When I was student manager at James Wood, Coach Mankins, who's the AD at Millbrook now. Yep. I mean, it was, it was, it was always a coach tie. And, and, you know, we just, we had to do it right. I mean, I'm a full suit guy. I know you've been able to come up and watch me coach a couple of times. I'm a full suit guy. I uh, it, it's just comfortable for me. And I know a lot of people are like, don't you get hotter? It's just something that I've gotten used to over the last 17 years. It's just, man, I feel yeah. really good in a shirt and tie with a jacket on. Now, the running joke in Hagerstown is, how quickly does my jacket come off? Will determine exactly. how the other team's <laughs> run is. Um, and there's been some like little bets out there, you know, on the television oh, station and stuff. Like, when is Chad's coat gonna come off? And 
you know, but I mean, but all in all, that usually goes off and just kind of hangs on the back of the chair and I'll drench, I'll sweat through my shirt. But, you know, I've thought about that too, as we've gotten into this, I will say this because I do try to follow as much as I can with colleges bouncing all over the place in ESPN plus, you can get tidbits here and there. The SEC, from what I understand, wanted to go casual and Calipari decided to wear a jacket the other day when he got tossed. Did you see that? Yeah, I did. He he was all dressed up, and I think I still think that was a planned ejection. I talked to my dad while actually while Calipari <laughs> was getting tossed, and I'm like, "Well, if they come back and win this game, that's three for three, three years in a row with three ejections to start SEC play." It's like he almost like cues this thing up a little bit. So, uh, <laughs> but you know, he knows his team like you do. You you know your guys. Um, I hopefully you know people say the same about me with my players, but we know what makes them tick. And sometimes we, we have to maybe make them bat a little bit harder for us. And if it takes that, listen, I've never got ejected, but, uh, and, and I know you probably don't want to get ejected because you'd have to have a conversation that you don't want to have, but <laughs> it's, uh, it works for him at least one time a year it seems to work for him. So yeah, it does. <laughs> um, I, I, the reason I brought up the mask part too is the Patriot League started playing ball today. And Boston University and Holy Cross tipped off today. And they were going to be the first game that all players on the floor had to wear masks at all times. Did you catch that? I did. I did. I knew that was coming with Boston. That, that's been a... Has that been a topic of, of conversation or kind of in, in the coaches' circles of conversation? Yeah, so Boston has to wear them anytime they play. And gotcha. if they have a home game, the opponent has to wear them too. Wow. And so the other crazy part of that is Boston and Holy Cross are playing six times this year. <laughs> I mean, so it's crazy. Hmm. Uh, we're going to have to wear masks. That's what I've already yep. been told by my AD. So to me, yep. I might have to steal somebody's synergy login a little bit just to kind of get an idea how these coaches sub. So if we do actually play, I can have a little bit of a heads up on how they handled it. But, um, it's pretty wild to think that Division One athletes are going to be wearing masks with all the the testing and stuff. I respect it. I mean, I do from a not wanting to get uh you know sick perspective. I do I do respect it, but it's going to be a little weird watching them play. I mean, I joked today at the office. I said, you know, what's the call going to be when the official comes to the table to administer a foul, like thirty two face masks, two shot foul. <laughs> I mean, where, where are we going with this, you know? But, I mean, it, it's just a joke that we can kind of laugh about now. But, you know, last March we weren't laughing. We were in a position where, like, man, what wow. in the hell is really going on? And we've come a long way. Um, I, I feel pretty comfortable about where you guys are at. Hopefully, if the games are open uh, to the public, I'll definitely be down. If we're not able to play this year, I want to kind of – I got to get back around the game. It's been too daggone long. Um I think we got a long way to go, man. The NBA guys started saying back in the spring that this would be all the way through 22, at least at some point. You know, we just gotta we gotta be the best we can be for each other as as human beings. And I know there's there's a whole lot of people out there that are struggling with the mask thing. And I just it's it's about being a good person, man. It's it, it's it's we we can all help each other. Um, the athletic part, it, it's tough. Um, I'm not going to lie. It's, it's hard for our guys to wear masks and play, go full speed. And 
it's uncomfortable. It's it's a little bit it, it, it holds you back a little bit as an athlete, but mm-hmm. you know, it's we, we try to do try to be the best we can be. Yeah, I totally agree. Um you guys are starting up the January twenty third game. Did, did I read that correctly? Is that, is that the goal? At least I heard that we, was the goal. We are, right? we're, we're still hopeful that we can get a scrimmage in or you know get something in before we play that. Um, okay. But it's, scheduling is an is an ever living nightmare right now. <laughs> I can't imagine basketball. So you know we'll we'll see how it goes. But our, our goal is to get on that floor for the first ODAC game and play Emory Henry when they come here and and be our best when that happens. Cool. Well, Coach, I, I wish you nothing but the best. You know that. Um, I'm proud of what you're doing down there as an alumnus, as a guy that, you know, put the uniform on and sat on the bench. I, I like what you're doing. I have, I have a good feeling about this coming year with uh, with the team that you have and, and the way that you're you're getting them to a point where they're going to be healthy and ready to roll. As, as you said, hopefully January 23rd you guys get on the court. Um, but I, I appreciate you coming on the show. I know, I know it's uh, – it's a busy day for you guys, and and you got a whole bunch of stuff going on tomorrow as well. But I just wanted to get you on the on and have a conversation, and uh, you know I'd love to have you back on and even maybe steal you for a couple minutes once you're in season just to kind of see how things are going. Yeah, for sure. I appreciate you having me, Chad. It's it's always fun to talk hoops, and it's it's definitely a blessing to be back on the floor. I can tell you that. I trust me, I'm jealous. I'm ready to be back on the court <laughs> just as much as anybody else. So I appreciate it, Coach. I look forward to talking to you soon. I want to thank Coach Walsh for being on the show today. Uh, Like I said, he's doing a great job down in Shenandoah, pleased with uh, where the program is headed. As a former player and a former coach, I am uh, happy to see where it's headed. And I look forward to hopefully this season they're able to play and look forward to seeing what he's doing in the future. Um, I will be tuning back in tomorrow with our next episode. Hopefully I... uh, I'm able to give you guys some more knowledge and something to think about as I uh, take you away from the chaos of your day and just give you a little bit of time to catch your breath and think about something other than work and stressful life and COVID at this standpoint. Tomorrow I have another uh, coach coming on as a guest, so I'm looking forward to that as well. Until then, Never In My Wildest Dreams podcast. We'll talk to you soon.